pants in the coop. Touch me, I'll shoot. Bow, shake a little ass. You get a little bag. And, and we're back September 18, 2019, just one day short of the 22 year anniversary of the movie Wishmaster. We get some wishes granted today ourselves as MMO is bringing you the Oscar sprint profile of the Jennifer Lopez, Constance Wu, stripper movie Hustlers. And if you came for the smooth talking, sexually experienced analysis, much like we've said to any sexual partners we've no doubt mistakenly had in our own lives, sorry, but you too are about to be let down as this OSP review is sure to be as awkward and uncomfortable as the first time either we, Mike's, actually did patron a gentleman's establishment. So let's get ready to fumble our words and desperately try to abstain from our repressed upbringings as I am former decade-long serving altar boy Mike One, and this is Christian high school graduate and co-host, also Mike. <laughs> All of that is... <laughs> Just <laughs> true and uh, humiliatingly so. Yeah, this should be uh, fun. Two genuinely Christian, religiously raised you do boys. This all the time. I don't know where in your movie watching, entertainment consumption life this is. No, I do. No, I do. Because wrestling and reality TV thrives yeah. on the awkward funny. It thrives on the lack of polish. I like a movie that is just. You know, from scene A to Z that just works, mm -hmm. and it's just a great composition, yeah. and that's the art aesthetic I have. Uh -huh. And here you are, just throwing me <laughs> off my game immediately. You knew I was going to be awkward going in, because we're talking about naked ladies, yeah. and we don't know how to do that. No, no. And we're very single. Nor encounter them. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. So the strip club experiences of our bachelor party going yeah. live are some of the most awkward sure. in history. Of course. Never mind in. <laughs> you know our 30 something year old existences right, so right. here we are yeah. and you do this to me right yeah oh, uh, not a good foot damn it oscar sprint profile for the movie hustlers not an oscar sprint profile if you listen to our last couple episodes certainly not one we planned on doing we did not but it's certainly one that's gained and gathered momentum as the days and weeks have passed hustlers did a boon at the box office uh we're gonna get into all of that and the numbers and all of the performances and specs if you've not joined us before for an oscar sprint profile it's they're not reviews. this awkward <laughs> they're not this awkward for the price of one the first section will be non-spoiler caliber <laughs> we'll do specs performances expectations all that fun stuff so if you've not seen seen Hustlers yet, and you're not seen Jennifer Lopez really just bearing her ass for the world to see. God bless her. Oh, God. Uh, don't worry. We're not going to ruin it, except maybe that part, which I just said. We'll have a spoiler warning. After that will be the spoiler section. We'll get into the highs and lows of the, our, what we thought was the best, what we thought needed to work, etc., etc. So we're going to start in the non-spoiler section. Uh, changing it up a little bit today, we're going to work some specs and cast and crew within the little weaving conversation we have here, Michael. So let's start talking a production profile for the movie Hustlers. Yes, and to go back to something you said, nobody can ruin that part of the movie, no. even if we tried. You know, a lot of this movie, I'm going to bring it up a couple times before we get started here, but a lot of this movie was like, if this came out mm -hmm. during the TRL days, it would be the talk of everything. I, it's still the talk of a lot of things, and it's still a highlight, but mm -hmm. like Jennifer Lopez, for how that those stories back in the day about her rear end and about how it was insured by Lloyds of London and she has this insurance policy and everyone wanted to see it and all this blah, 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 and now she's bearing it all for the world to see. It, like, never mind the internet, life would have exploded Mike, if this happened there in like a, 1997. There was a couple of scenes in this movie, Mike, where I was like, oh my God, that is also a green dress! <laughs> that is also a green right. dress! Right, and 
that J-Lo's wearing right. in the movie. <laughs> right. It's great. Yeah, it's a culmination of, of the TRL generation, Oh, I my think. God. You're absolutely right, and we are going to weave our production profile together today, see how it works, see how we like it. I know you've been stalling because the whole argument was we take too long with those, <laughs> and you did an extra long intro, so now i got to think it's whatever. Yes. It didn't work because you, you were skeptical about this idea. Well, let's get into it. We've done this for some of the Joker pods, so we're going to give this a try. Uh, written and directed by Lorene Scafaria. She's been an actress in movies like Daniel Day-Lewis's The Nines. Scafaria has written Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, the comedy Children's Hospital. Uh, she's also directed three episodes of New Girl. She's been an executive producer on Meryl Streep's Ricky and the Flash. And Lorene has done it all as the writer and director of Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, Coherence, The Meddler, before doing double duty here as well on Hustler. So she's had quite the career, but nothing like this movie for sure. Yeah, certainly not. Nick and Nora is something I just reviewed recently on one of the uh, more recent MMOWs we covered. Hustlers, this movie, mm -hmm. is based on a 2015 New York Magazine article called The Hustlers at Scores, written by Jessica Pressler. Uh, as we mentioned on MMO Weekly, Anna Perna had originally commissioned this script and controlled the rights to Hustlers with Scafaria writing, with yeah. Adam McKay and Will Ferrell producing under their company Gloria Sanchez Productions. Martin Scorsese was at one point attached to this. He famously passed on directing it, though. And then, in August, it was announced that Jennifer Lopez had been attached to Star and that Scafaria would direct and that Lopez's production company... Boy, oh boy. Nyarican Productions would also make the film. It only took me five attempts to say that production company still incorrectly. We are so white. <laughs> so... After Annapurna came into severe financial troubles in October of 2018, they sell the rights to this, to Bombshell, the upcoming, you know, Roger Ailes Sell movie. the rights to the Sisters Brothers. Uh, Keep yeah. these two movies. They screwed up, Mike. <laughs> they sell the rights of Hustlers to STX Films and Entertainment, the distribution and production branches of STX. This is certainly a bummer because Annapurna has been in desperate need of a money earner, of a hit. It's an after understatement. Yeah, after they've made one Oscar-nominated film after, after the next, and we realized and analyzed in a recent MMOW that all of these Oscar-nominated films somehow lost money, Mike. A lot of money at uh, that, yeah. More money than we can ever fathom, yes. <laughs> Once Jennifer Lopez becomes attached to this, however... The rest of the cast takes shape. Yeah, so from Crazy Rich Asians, we have Constance Wu. She joined first to play Dorothy. Cardi B, Julia Stiles, Kiki Palmer, Lily Reinhart, and Mercedes Rule all signed on with Lizzo and Usher joining the cast later. And calling Usher a member of this cast might be a bit generous. <laughs> For two and a half months before production, Jennifer Lopez and some of the cast went through rigorous athletic training to learn pole dancing Mike. Yeah, this was extraordinary. Look, we we commented on this in previous episodes because it's worth commenting on. But go on YouTube, go on Instagram, Jennifer Lopez's social media pages, and just watch these training videos. They are really amazing, and the amount of work and athletic ability on display, like Brad Pitt and mm -hmm. J Lo, mm -hmm. this year alone, have redefined what it means to be fifty years old and older. And it's put a lot of, like, 30- and 20-year-olds to shame. To shame. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And that goes, of course, with Jennifer Lopez's athletic prowess here, really putting her all into these training montages. Uh, and A-Rod is no doubt a lucky man. 
Oh my God, 50 is the new 25? <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. Holy shit. The shoot began on March 22nd of 2019 and went for 29 days. This amazes me with all the montage in this movie yeah. and how many, the quantity of shots that they actually completed. Yeah. Uh, unreal that this only took, you know, 29 days, Less Mike. Than a month. Costume designer Mitchell Travers wanted the designs to, quote, floor the audience and let them know that this is not going to be like any other movie they've seen before. And with that, you had a lot of common songs that you're well-known. Music yeah. features 1990s R&B anthems and songs from the 2000s. Soundtrack includes Janet Jackson, Britney Spears, Fiona Apple, Lord, Bob Seger, and Big Sean. Music supervisor Jason Markley wove in classical interludes, which stated that, quote, we didn't have a score. Every song made a statement about a scene quest love actually just yesterday on the 16th mm-hmm. was on instagram commenting on this and i saw him uh he said you know great job by hustlers it's a great movie but how the hell did they get seeger bob seeger to clear the song night moves for use in this because bob seeger apparently is notorious for not clearing anything for many movies outside of sony which i think is a mm-hmm. label he's attached to anyway i mean grown-ups 2 had uh rock and roll never forgets obviously quentin tarantino's once upon a time in hollywood just had rambling gambling man but seeger According to Questlove, anyway, notoriously doesn't clear songs uh, for use in films, and Hustler's got night moves. I think Lorene Scafaria is an expert letter writer, because everything <laughs> I've heard on the Big Picture podcast right. in particular, she talked about how the fact that The Meddler, her 2015 movie, autobiographical movie about her mom and, and her dad's death, and sure. this is a sad film, and she got Frank Sinatra, she wow. got to shoot at the Apple Store, <laughs> like, she is able to pull these rabbits out of her hat by basically just her prose. She's a very persuasive person, and that's why she was <laughs> able to write a successful movie about other persuasive people. That's very true. <laughs> she is persuasive, and so was the marketing of this movie, Mike, because in one of the more market-savvy film festival strategies in recent memory, Hustlers decides to have its world premiere six days before its theatrical release. This was on September 7th at the Toronto International Film Festival before the movie gets released on September 13th, and everybody loved it. Yeah, no doubt, and that's maybe underselling it a little bit. The film gained a ton of rave reviews and was the talk of Toronto as Jennifer Lopez received waves of Oscar buzz to the point where she's the first listed for supporting actress on the first Feinberg forecast of the Hollywood Reporter. Alliteration! (laughs) Of course, putting that out just yesterday as well. And Jennifer Lopez topping that list for that category. Hustlers currently boasts a 79 Metascore with an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics. As for the audience reception, IMDb has it at an okay 6.6. The Rotten Tomatoes score is at 68%, but the box office proved the film a major hit, Mike, with $33 million for its domestic opening and $4.7 overseas on an early take there. This is uh, $37 million plus on, on three days with a $20 million budget, so this film is going to make serious money. Serious money uh, is a way of underselling it. I did a little research. I put it on Twitter last night in the lead-up to this recording. The lowest a film it's in the last five years that has opened in the 32 to $35 million range, as Hustlers is squarely in the lowest a film has done domestically in opening in that range was Ted 2's 81 something million for just domestic. The lowest a film has done worldwide in opening in that range was Get Hard's, that Kevin Hart, Will Ferrell movie 111 million dollar take so at minimum, barring something unprecedented and catastrophic that this were to fall off, at minimum this movie is going to make probably about $5.50 per every dollar put into production budget 
Megan Ellison, what are you doing? Annapurna, <laughs> no, oh no. Plot premise reads, Mike, inspired by the viral New York Magazine article, Hustlers follows a crew of savvy former strip club employees who band together to turn the tables on their Wall Street clients. Yes, that's accurate. That, that is, is what this movie is about. It's a good premise. <laughs> Some premises we don't like, but that was a good premise. Expectations, though. Honestly, after all the rave reviews, mm-hmm. I still had tempered uh, expectations for this because, to be honest, I've been listening to a lot of people checking their hype for many of these movies, and we have seen many of these you know, critical darlings and really audience darlings go on roller coaster rides. Jojo Rabbit, everybody thought it was going to be the next big thing, then everybody was criticizing it. Now it's the next big, big, it's big, the thing, next big again. thing again. Yeah. Joker, everybody was like, after the first trailer, there's no way this movie even makes money. It's going to be a nightmare. And then everybody was like, oh my God, it's a real Oscar contender. It's going to win Venice, blah, blah, blah. We're seeing these roller coasters for these movies. And I was like, waiting for hustlers to reach the, the height and then go down start coming back down a little bit so you went in with tempered expectations I as did. it was you're saying i i fell into the trap i think my expectations were too high uh i just wanted this to be whatever everything everyone said it was going to be mm-hmm. i think i was let down a little bit by it yeah I, I not to say you know that doesn't matter it's a well above average and well above quality film uh there's some well above average and well above quality uh performances as well i do think it, it does merit some of the oscars hype and buzz that it does get we'll get into all that uh and more but uh yeah i was a little i don't think it's like the greatest thing since sliced bread like some people were making mm-hmm. it out to be regardless of how i felt about it i don't think it warrants the reception of you talked about how those audience scores are kind of low those are rumored to be a lot of score bombing and troll review oh really a lot of people have gotten oh, their come hands on, on people yeah, so why uh, what, yeah. what what's, what's well because we can't have women in successful positions right i mean that's what it is we can't have women posed as the anti-heroes in these non-christian non-family oh, familial value professions I think that's what it is. It's gross. Oh, that's so ancient. People suck. <laughs> it's what it is. All right, let's review some production values. And I do think some production values here merit the Oscar lens. I got to start with editing. 85% of this movie is montage, and I can't tell you how much I've loved that because I grew up on music videos. I love myself some montage. Yeah, this is a music video movie for sure. The 10 or so short films I've made are very montage heavy, as you know. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen them. I'm sure I've made you've seen them. But, <laughs> uh, but also... They've all been my pleasure. I love Scorsese movies, and there's no mystery on why they asked him to direct this because it does feel like Goodfellas and Casino, and there is so much high-paced cinematic goods here and that kind of nullifies some exposition dumps and it makes for this playground of visual storytelling so you're talking about the functionality of montaging as a filmmaker i'm impressed by what scafaria did and in including the montage and having to tell a story in place of so many exposition dumps you highlighted all that but as a filmmaker yourself do you are, are, are montages something difficult to pull off do you find them as a as a necessity they seem to be something that would be a bit of a bear to me because you have to weave this through line all throughout obviously all these different scenes you have to have the montages planned out to a degree like you have to know that i need this collection of shots that Mm -hmm. collection of shots you have to know that they're going to tell a story so there has to be a through line to them the hardest part of it is all the setups you know with all the lighting so you have so many more setups than you normally would have for just all right, I'm shooting these three scenes today mm. and those three setups today, and that's it, much easier for a crew to handle. 29 days, 
to shoot this much variety. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they diced up the scenes they shot or if they actually shot this in montage. I'm guessing because the the filmmaker is the writer and the director right. and they had, you know, this, this interwoven narrative with the Julia Stiles character. I'm guessing this was all deliberate. Interesting. I like I said. I think Scafari did a phenomenal job pulling it off. I wonder if it's more. Di- that's why I ask because in my mind it was be more difficult to plan that out as a filmmaker that doesn't have the experience of a Scorsese or somebody that's been doing it for years and it seems like she did it and has been doing it for years herself. It comes off like an old pro. I think alongside the production values, I guess is going to bleed into performances a little bit though. I don't think there's a single character that's aided more by cinematography and sound editing this year that I've seen than Jennifer Lopez's character. So this entire film, the story included, really supports that character. Yeah. And Sigafaria mentioned it. Like, this is, as much as it's a Constance Wu movie, a Dorothy movie, it is really a Ramona story. Yeah. And it's really a J-Lo showcase. I agree with that 100%. In terms of that cinematography, you get a lot of the low angles, the mm-hmm. power angles, as the cast of this film mentioned they in in interviews they're all talking about when we finally saw the film we're like oh my god we look awesome and they're mentioning the cinematography as showcasing them in that yeah and i would go around sound effects as well i mean there's times where j-lo is like opening the curtain in the back room and this is like her her big successful moment she finally conned one of the first men in the movie and she gets like a sound effect with a curtain opening and then she has her badass hip swiveling walk with a great song in the background like everything feeds into this powerful performance of this boss ass woman being successful and starting this business on the side of just being this ruthless businesswoman yeah and we're gonna get into that and i i really appreciated the fact that you're you're telling a story about things done wrong right and criminal activity and you're being honest about a lot of that i do think the cinematographer todd van hazi he has shot a ton of music videos for John Legend, Imagine Dragon, Muse, that. Janelle Monet. So he gets the glamour and the lighting and the musical movement of it all. And I just thought he knocked this out of the park. I think the fact that the cinematography really characterizes these people, it's going to help at the end of the day in terms of an Oscar lens. And I do think, because everybody's talking about it in all these interviews, I do think it's going to play on the Academy. You might see cinematography and you might see editing may you know if this becomes more of a best picture candidate at the end of the day if it survives if it has legs then editing definitely because it's such a showcase but i even think like a baby driver like a like a bohemian rhapsody when we were you know positioning those movies last year we we're like well the editing is great, no matter what you say about yeah. the movie. And, and this is one of those cases. I don't know if it survives the uh, the award season. I don't know if it's going to be there at the end of the day. I, I I would like to see it. I just don't know if I have that much faith in it. And I think we have a, a world of stuff to come out that's going to be poised as contenders in the next three months, like we keep talking about. Yeah. But I do expect something from this to make its noise heard in the big top whatever categories, top eight categories uh, are so on Oscar Sunday. And I do think one of those is going to be Jennifer Lopez's performance for a supporting actress. I do agree with that, but I'm a little more bullish on the production yeah. values. In terms of the designs, very authentic. You had production design, costume design, makeup and hair styling, all servicing the story. Apparently Scafaria had like a Kubrickian need to just be detail-oriented and make everything period specific and i thought that's genius there's also a balance mike between 
the kind of grimy and the glamorous. And I thought that was very important. This is not blow or American gangster no. or American made where you're literally given whole sequences of the excess. Yeah. And it's like, that's the roller coaster part where you're going up. And then when you come down, everything's disgusting. There's more balance woven in throughout yeah, this movie. And that helps it feel more true to life. And we as more elder gentlemen in past lives had, you know, uh, visited such establishments. I thought she did a great job of making this feel like you're actually in the strip club experience like you're actually there the music is loud and in your mm -hmm. face and in your ear and there's a deep thumping bass and I, I, I thought the production design really jumped off the screen as far as putting you in the moment there and actually making you feel like you're in a new york gentleman's club i thought it was great the best example of this is in the opening scene at the club you think you're going to get this over glamorized introduction mm -hmm. but you also get all these scuzzy things interwoven into that scene i was shocked by that because i thought all right this is the part where we're just you know full throttles go let's have this crazy scene let's establish this place as this fantasy land right no we no. get all the you know the reality checks there immediately yeah and yet i mean it's such a tightrope walk by scafari because you're not really getting the gross Every guy isn't a caricature of no. a gross, gross strip club patron, right? I mean, you're getting kind of well-rounded men, which you're not used to seeing in these types of movies where you're glorifying the and making the strippers the hero of the story. I thought for sure you were going to get totally yeah, one-dimensional, just just every guy snarling, saying yeah. disgusting things like uh, like in the trailer mm -hmm. for The Kitchen. No, that's exactly what I thought, too. And I don't know if it's the script. I don't know if it's the way it's shot. It's probably a combination of all these things. But they, she made it very mathematical. Like, what the business, the side hustle that Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez is doing, it gets morally and ethically wrong at a certain point, but she never really makes it anything more than just a straight business decision. Right. She doesn't get you bogged down in the grossness of what's going on. She doesn't make the men, like we said, overly disgusting and detestable. She makes everyone very well-rounded and makes it all just about the numbers, and it's this straight-up, linear straight line this through line that you could follow as opposed to getting bogged down in the the ancillary emotions and feelings of it all and we're going to get into the structure in a few minutes but i do think structurally it had to be planned it, ha it just had to be in turn that montage had to be on the page mm. i think at the end of the day uh well we're going to get to that in a minute but let's jump into performances now mike so yeah where do you fall on the jennifer lopez as an oscar candidate for a supporting actress Okay, so I did a bit of a study this morning on previous Oscar nominees in the supporting categories, and I was like, this J-Lo performance feels a lot like an Oscar-nominated performance through past years, and I'm, like, I'm, I'm saying, why is this true? Because, well, Kate Hudson in Almost Famous, Annette Benning in The Grifters, even last year's Richard E. Grant in Can You Ever Forgive Me, and I would say Alan Arkin in Little Miss Sunshine because he's conning his family. Mm -hmm. You have these characters that put on this facade that is so likable right it's so likable and carefree and fun in the way they act and there's so much behind their eyes in real life they're they're very ambitious and there's this relationship between the main character protagonist and this supporting character that basically defines the movie just like it does here. I have seen these happy movie star performances before get nominated, and that's just in the last 10 or so years. It's quacking to me, let's just say. I agree as far as the nomination goes. I think a little too much is being made about her being the front runner and her being the surefire winner at the end of the day. Right. Frankly, because I wasn't blown away 
And usually, Regina King last year, Allison Janney the year before, Viola Davis and Francis, who probably was the lead anyway, Alicia Vikander and the Danish girl, Patricia Arquette and Borhead, they all have at least one scene, and we talk about this when we did our supporting actor review, right. back when Tommy Lee Jones was contending with Robert De Niro and back in 2012, Christoph Waltz won it that year. They all have one scene where it just grips you and it really blows the, the air out of you. Mm-hmm. I think J-Lo had the opportunity to do that a couple times in this, and she does have big emotional scenes. I just didn't feel like it rises to the level of, okay, this is why she's going to win the Oscar. Like, there wasn't one scene I can pick from and be like, well, that's definitely what they're going to show in the highlight reel on the night of the Oscars, and then she's definitely going to win. I'm with you on that, and you're right. If Beale Street could talk, Regina Kings are nominated much more often. Right. Where it's it's not only one scene, but it's like you know ten in just a row, couple, yeah. where she is just holding your attention and absorbing you. This is a movie star performance for I would say ninety percent of the movie, and in my opinion, you're left with those two emotional scenes to end the film. So when you walk out of there, you're kind of you know recency biased by those last few J Lo scenes, and in many ways, I'm like, wow, she's great, and that ups the uh, perception of the performance. Performance, I do think. All that being said, there's the physicality to her yeah. performance that's going to help Amazing. her. And I like that physicality is being recognized here. I mean, that is one of the bigger it's stories. It's a good point, yeah, because at what point do we parlay all the... It's like the Lady Gaga nomination last year almost. Like, mm-hmm. yes, J-Lo's known as a dancer, but what she's doing is above and beyond dancing, so how much of that gets taken into account with her performance? Lady Gaga, yes, she's a singer, but what she's doing is a certain specific kind of singing here for a purpose and with emotion behind it, so does he take that into account? I mean, Tom Cruise is kicking himself right now because he's like, how many planes do I got to jump right. out of? How many was, buildings right. do I got to climb? Do I, I guess if I put an emotional scene at the end of my Mission Impossibles, maybe I'll have a chance. So you can't just kick guns out of the sand and put grab the, them and think that's going to cover put, it? Put the Magnolia bedside scene right. at, the at the end, end of, of the, the Mission Impossible yeah. after he does all the stunts and maybe he's got a chance now. I don't know. So that's interesting. That does parlay itself into the conversation of does that help stunts at some point get recognized as an academy category like all of us want it to be anyway? Right. Yeah, that's that's an interesting argument. So let's get into the rest of the cast real quick. We mentioned the men being surprisingly rounded. Yeah, some are dogs and some are, you know, sure. the typical patrons that we But not every of. single one is. Exactly. Which is, which is what's important, I And think. you need that because you need to have empathy for them. Mm-hmm. Because they're being conned. Because they're, they're, the, yeah, they're the victims in and many it's ways. I mean, what, it's what, very what these women are doing is is illegal in this story. I just thought that was Not very... Not to say that the Wall Street men aren't yeah. doing illegal things themselves. But it's very refreshing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's one of those Robin Hood stories, but... If you're robbing the rich who robbed from the poor to right. give to yourselves, right. I don't know what that means. <laughs> anyway, I thought Constance Wu was excellent. Uh, she is so unrecognizable from the math economics professor in Crazy Rich Asians, yeah. who is just a, a just a, a demonstration of poise. Right? I would love to know between her and her agent or her manager what the the plan was mm-hmm. like was it crazy rich asians what they grabbed first and then this was what it sounds like yeah. is what happened literally yeah. so what did she come out of crazy rich asians and be like i can't be typecast as this sweet rom-com 
heroin. Right. Uh, you know, I need to have something else that kind of breaks the mold so I'm not cornered into this role for the rest of my life. It is a smart decision. Yeah. A smart acting choice in many ways. I agree. I thought she was excellent. Is she going to be Oscar worthy at the end of the day? I already have her at like 12. Yeah, I don't year. know if it right. Again, I think if there's going to performance that's going to jump off the page for this, I think it's going to be J-Lo's at the end of the day. Otherwise, Cardi B was extraordinary in this? Uh, Cardi B might be the most genuine human being we have on Earth right now. She is just herself in yeah. any role, on any moment, on any show. She's just, what you see is what you get, and I love her for it. I'm not a particular fan of hers. I, I just don't know her that well, yeah. but she's funny and angry. I love the, her anger scenes. <laughs> like She's just venting at this guy who's like a manager of the club. Yeah. It's one of my favorite scenes yeah. in the movie. I just thought she was excellent, and you know, yeah, there's the the lap dance scene, you know, where they're practicing lap dances. That was fun, but I, she really shined to me, and the rest of the cast does a nice job as well. But those were definitely the standouts. I like Lily Reinhardt's performance too. Good. I don't think it's gonna get, I don't think it's gonna get recognized at any sort of awards, mm -hmm. but. You know, she's a relative unknown except for Riverdale, which is where she comes from. It's not a show I watch, so I wasn't all that familiar with her, but she's playing this comic relief character in this one because she has this over and over repeated vomiting that she, yes, she does. has. That she, it's her <laughs> initial reaction to stress, which is funny, but I thought she played a good deer in the headlights, too. She had the most to learn, it seemed like, of those original four girls that were doing this mini-corporation, if you want to call it that. Uh, I, I thought she merited, uh, merited recognition. And Kiki Palmer, I could say the same. Those four girls were really... And again, why casting should be a category at the Oscars. Yeah. I thought they were casted perfectly. I think they all filled their roles very well, and I loved each of them for it. You have to relate to these characters so much because what they're doing is so wrong, yeah. and, and you're still rooting for them, right. which is a magic it's, trick. It's not, yeah, it's very, very difficult to pull off. So, you know, beyond that script thought right there, we can transition to the rest of them. So the morals of this story get a little heavy-handed at times, but there's still enough style to bring it all back for me and I just go along for the ride. And the metaphors, when they use them, they really work. I'm gonna talk later on. There's not on the nose scenes, there's on the chin scenes, where you're just like <laughs> punched in the chin with it. It's and it's heavy, it. yeah. but it's it still hurts me. It still hurts my heart. And I love that, because there's so much heart in this movie. It's not really emotionally manipulative. It's just kind of playing itself out, and it just happens to be emotional. Like, I don't think anyone was really going over the top and trying to Correct. to yeah. make you feel a certain way. I think you were just along for the ride with this one. There's so much movie, too. There's so many details. There's so much yeah. music. I mean, we just looked at the soundtrack. There's like 40-something songs. Every one of those songs just defined a scene in my night. And they're bangers. In yeah. my 20s. Right. <laughs> and I love that so much. We forgot to mention the music. But I the, this, the music in this film was when I was going out to clubs in New York City as a student, when I was on a dance floor at the... Uh, at the you know the big you know senior and junior dances at college. I mean, yeah. I remember all these songs at weddings, Mike. Right. Yeah, a few at strip clubs, but I mean, for the most part, <laughs> I dance like a fool to yeah, these songs. I mean, when, in a former life, when I was capable of movement without pain, I was <laughs> I was at the club, like just not the strip club, but just club. I was a club head in my early twenties, and I went and we were dancing all these things, and it was total flashback. And again, the TRL generation, right? Like, I don't think people who didn't grow up in that generation or were too old or too young, they don't understand what a big deal it is for our generation to see Jennifer Lopez dancing to Britney Spears' Give Me More. Because yeah. 
the pop princess on pop princess crime that was happening on the TRL charts <laughs> is akin to like the boy band on boy band crime that was happening. There was so much shade and heat thrown back and forth <laughs> yeah. with each other that yeah. like seeing Jennifer Lopez dance to Britney Spears still registered somewhere in my 13 year old brain. Like, holy shit, what's happening? Does she know what's playing right now? She can't do this. She's not supposed to recognize that Britney Spears exists. It was a lot of fun. It's, and they yeah. purposely didn't use any J-Lo songs in the movie or Cardi B. Smart. Cardi B songs in the movie. And, and yet they use Cardi B to market the movie because she's obviously, her song's all over the trailer. Yes. Uh, the only other script thought thing I wanted to comment on is where that last scene or one of the last emotional scenes you think worked for you, I actually have a big issue with how it played out because to me, it seemed like a weak attempt to bring this whole story together with the moral. And they reference a line that they said only once. I'll get mm-hmm. more in-depth into mm-hmm. it in spoilers. Mm-hmm. It was so heavy-handed and out of place for me. It was the only time I thought the, fil- the script felt forced. Yeah, that's one of my on the chin. Yeah. That punched me in the chin. Yeah. I know it's it's in my face. Right. It's in my face, but it still hurt. It still it for you. got yeah. me. And I just think that's a bit of a magic trick, like I've been saying here. I think a lot of the script is that magic trick. I would agree. I just seen these movies done so much worse. And good movies. Sure. Oh, too. yeah. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. American Made is a solid movie yeah. about a crime spree, right? About the excess of the era of the, you know, going into the, the financial kitchen, crisis. You just commented on it, but we just had it. American Gangster. There's so many movies like this that even Risky Business is like a version of this yep. going all the way back. This plot line has been done so many times before, but not with this much style, not with this much craft, not with this much, you know, storytelling prowess. The way she weaves everything in, the interview with the journalist, Julia Stiles, the way... Yeah, how about Julia Stiles coming back, huh? Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Where's she been since Dexter season whatever, five or six? Save the last dance? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's she been? Do we want more of her? But uh, I just thought there, there's catharsis in this film. And even though it's a bit heavy-handed, it still worked. And I just thought the brilliance of when survival becomes greed, which is a theme that Scafaria commented on so many times as the main point where these movies can, they're either made or broken, right? When you just trying to survive becomes greed going for more, that's the moment where I was like, this movie clicked into overdrive for me. And I just think it's very honest and very true. And it means something yes. to to me as, you know, professionally and how I want to act and, and personally. It, it worked. It's the Walter White template of, of walking that fine line yeah. and having that story delivered. But Excellent. With the background of a strip club. I love it. Yeah. So how many nominations at the end of the day? I'm just going to say, I, I do think editing, I'd be surprised at cinematography. One of the designs might come through. We might not have noticed that after one viewing. But I, I do think J-Lo. I see production design getting through, yeah. Yeah, I do think J-Lo is going to get it here. I think J-Lo, for certain, will be nominated. Again, I don't think it rises to the level of a supporting actress win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I love Scafaria's work, but my the thing there is if you nominate Scafaria for either a screenplay or a director, you're probably saying that it's going to land two or three other nominations. I'm rooting hardest for screenplay right now because I think that she had all that montage on the page, which is just an absolute high degree of difficulty. That would be that an I adapted can't. screenplay, and adapted yeah. screenplay would be, you're talking about tougher up against Endgame, probably. I have it at third right now because there have been a couple of good adapted screenplays yeah, and so far. I mean, again, we have a lot of stuff to come. I, I would like editing, but again, I don't think editing is going to happen because if it's an editing nom, you think it's going to be a Best Picture nominee, and I don't think this rises to the level of a Best Picture nominee. So I'm rooting for it. Uh, like too. you said, it's it's a very high quality, very well done movie. I loved it. Watch it. Yeah, definitely a watch. We'll see it. Definitely a watch. 
Now let me complain about it in spoilers. <laughs> spoilers ahead! This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. Spoilers. section for the oscar sprint profile of the movie hustlers brought to you by mike mike and oscar if you've not seen the movie yet this is a good place for you to hit pause go watch it we'll be here waiting for you to hit play when you come back if you've seen this movie already if you're just curious to hear our thoughts or if we've hyped up the spoiler section for you so much in the non-spoiler section that you cannot possibly go another minute without hearing more about jlo's behind and who could blame you <laughs> this is where you want to be it's all spoilers all the time the movie hustlers the Oscar Sprint Profile, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Mike, let's start with some carryovers, and we'll start at the end with those two big dramatic scenes, J-Lo talking to Constance Wu on the sidewalk. Yes, I do think that this film ends with the two Oscar reel scenes mm-hmm. for Jennifer Lopez. The big one is on the sidewalk after they're released from jail. We don't know then because it just follows up on the interrogation. We don't know that Dorothy has taken the deal. So you get a lot of subtext being played out with J-Lo talking about, we got to go hire this lawyer or that lawyer. Right. She's rattled, obviously, and she's super angry uh, going into it. She's on a mission again like to figure things out. And I thought Constance Wu was excellent in this scene, and she's like, no, I took the deal. Now, you could have gotten the typical throw a fit, throw shit, crazy angry reaction from J-Lo. But what does she do here? She she gives you this beautiful mixture, right? This this I, I one of the more this surprise cornucopia of emotions. And I can't believe I use that word in general in life. But here I did. Mike, she, we don't know what she's thinking because She's ripping pissed, and she shows that in a, in a quick second. Then she's so understanding. Then she's so sad that it's come to this. Then she wants to tell Dorothy in the subtext that it's it's my fault for putting you in this position because you've been basically you know telling me that this was all going to happen all along. And then what? Wait, happens? whoa, whoa, that might be a leap. No, it's not. I, I didn't see I saw any that. personal in regret her from eyes, Ramona. No way. In the clench of her this butt. This woman did not have the, any personal responsibility or any feelings of regret throughout this whole enterprise no she, thought she, she was totally she was doing does because right. she's crying her eyes out in that film and the whole because her best friend just stabbed her in the back yeah but what's the reaction what's the reaction it goes back to the theme of the movie that motherhood is a mental illness right that that the fact that you are doing what you need to do for your child i understand it right and in that hug there's betrayal there, there's anger, but there's also the fact that I'm saying goodbye to you with this I agree hug. with all of that, yes. I'm saying goodbye to you. I know this is goodbye. We had such a great thing going. And here's me in the audience saying, oh, there it is. <laughs> Out loud, at your volume level, everybody thinking I'm a pervert because the two hot chicks are hugging. <laughs> 
<laughs> that that's what happened. And there it yeah. is. Hap, it was in my brain. There's the Oscar reel scene. There okay. it was. Okay. And I think I, I do agree that Jayla's putting on a great performance. I disagree with some of the subtext right. that you put forward. But Maybe I'm think, reading into it. But I read into it. Well, that's good. And she does. For her. She does objectively in a really dramatic way. She has to like pull herself away from the hug too. So you, you know she has to say goodbye. Right. And you don't agree with my thinking that JLo did all of that reactioning. I don't think she's apologizing for anything. The apology. No, I don't think she's say. apologizing for putting Constance Wu in that situation. Absolutely not. Because she's been so steadfast. These guys are going to do this to themselves anyway. We're just trying to make money. It's well, I just center. think the immediate forgiveness is the apology. That's apology. But it doesn't It doesn't happen until Constance Wu brings up the, the motherhood thing, which is also, ironically, the biggest problem I had with the entire movie. Because motherhood is a sickness is a line that's mentioned once by J-Lo. Mm-hmm. The motherhood angle isn't really brought up at any... I mean, yes, there's some interplay with their daughters, right? I mean, and and Constance Wu is being a mother a lot. But the whole motherhood is an illness type mentality isn't mentioned outside of the... It's not even, like, referred to outside of the one time it's brought up. All right, here's where it is referred to. Okay. And Constance Wu Wu said it immediately after what J-Lo said the first time when she mentioned the line. She's like, well, then that explains my mother. And the right. major sequence that leads into Act 3 is Constance Wu remembering her mother abandoning her with her grandparents right. after her grandmother's death. And then you have this matriarch character of the film, the mentor character for the protagonist, being motherly to her. That's the whole point of it. And that's the whole point. Like, motherhood is a d- disease, a mental illness, right? She cannot be so mad at... Constance Wu in that scene because she's like her mom. It's more than a friendship. It's a mother-daughter surrogate relationship. Did I get you? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I understand it. I just, I don't know, maybe I needed more heavy-handedness then. I I don't, I I just feel like it was like, oh, this is a great line in the script, so let's have it be the closer and let's have it be so on the nose that I just wish there was more referring to it. And you're absolutely right. There is that, a surrogate mother relationship between the Ramona character Mm -hmm. and the Destiny character. I, I, that's permeated throughout the entire movie. My rationalization, my rationalization, it's on the chin. It's in your face. And I wanted to say on the nose. Maybe if I didn't like this movie, it would be on the nose. How dare they? But it's on the chin. And they got punched it on the chin. Missed. Her head bobbed. Yeah. yeah. And I, I could take that. I, I just had an issue with it. I thought it was too, like, give me, if, if you want to center the entire theme and the moral of the story around that, give me more of it. And, you it's, know, there was some in there. You're right. It's the moral of their relationship. Yeah. And that's, you know, that it's for that for it to get that showcase scene there. You're bringing their relationship to a crisis before you get the climax of it. That's why I think, like, this character is so much like the Alan Arkin character. And and so much like the uh, Kate Hudson character. Because how do they feel about your protagonist? Do you love one another? Is the question at the end of Almost Famous. After the adventure you have... Can't, do you really love one another? Do you really have a genuine right. friendship? Did Alan Arkin, at the end of Little Miss Sunshine, with all of his flaws, truly and deeply leave his mark on that family? Did 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 you know Kate Hudson really have feelings for this other guy who was basically just at her feet the whole movie? Blah okay. blah blah. One, you had to have watched Little Miss Sunshine recently because you reference it a lot lately. I have. I really. So I have not. <laughs> I have not it a rewatched few times, it. I guess in so. different episodes. But two. It's just such a convenient get-out-of-jail-free card on Destiny's part. Like, if you and I 
we're committing these crimes. Mm-hmm. And we walk out of the police station. Me. Exactly. You would like, kill me. Exactly. Oh, it's okay. I, now, we don't have children, so may, maybe it does work like that. I don't know. But uh, viewing it as it was laid out, like, just because you have a kid doesn't make it okay by my standards that you sold me on. Like, I may understand, whole, but I'm not going to say, okay, good job. Whole, here's the <laughs> thing about J-Lo's character. She brings in strays. She adopts strays. She adopted constantly. But she has her own daughter that she has to be in the life of. The Dawn character, right? The Dawn character is another one. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. But she has adopted strays this whole movie to a fault to the point where the whole enterprise is going to go under because they're bringing junkies in. They're bringing characters like Dawn in. She's maternal. I agree. To the outbursts of Constance Wu's character. I agree. To the point where Constance Wu's like, this is going to sink us. Right. And the, you're getting reverse mentorship there. Like, we are going to lose because we're shooting for the stars here by outsourcing, by by, by fishing with a, a bigger, a wider I, net. I guess what I'm saying is, so you think that J-Lo puts the maternal instincts of bringing in all these stray characters on the same level playing field as being an actual mother to her actual daughter who's now she's going to be ripped away from because of Constance Wu? I don't equalize the two. But that's I'm what I'm just saying. saying like, 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 if motherhood mattered that much to her and was such a great equalizer to, and, and like, it makes everything okay that Constance Wu does, then... I'm not saying it makes everything okay. You get but 10 Jennifer emotions. Lopez is. She gets 10 emotions in that scene and Jennifer Lopez is saying, I still... Love her, and I still I'm reaching out through this reporter, which is the whole thing at the end with that next scene. I'm reaching out very obviously through this reporter. Tell this girl that I still respect her, I still love her. I have her picture in my little bag of heirlooms, and I have her picture with all these prized possessions. After I tell the story about being astray myself, having to live with boyfriends in their crummy apartments, because I was basically homeless when I was a first-time stripper, and the fact that, you know, I wish we were kids together, I wish we were friends together at that same point when her mother abandoned her. I agree with everything you just said. Right. But she is such a maternal figure that you, like, I am defined by my motherhood to the extent that I can relate with you sending me to prison because of your maternal instincts. And that's okay, even though you're ripping me away from my daughter by doing so. Like, my maternal instincts towards you are going to supersede my maternal instincts of being a mother. I'm just saying she gets why, Constance. Yeah, I agree she gets why. I agree. I just think the the overriding emotion would have been one of anger or disdain or disgust still. You know, not not empathy to that extent where it's all forgiven, man. I get it. But at the same time, I saw all the emotions in that performance. Yeah, so I was there. I, I took no notes during that scene. I just looked up <laughs> and yelled at the screen. So then, and there I it guess is. If that's if that's what you did, then why wouldn't this rise to the level of an Oscar winner for you for J Lo? I she's my number one at this moment. Let's see something better. Okay. Let's see something better. She is in fact my number one, and I'm shocked to say that. I was shocked to read it on Feinberg's forecast, number one on the year. No. But I put her above Octavia Spencer and Loose. I put her above Margot Robbie in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Put Those her, are my top three right I now. I put her above Margot, but Octavia is my number one. Okay, yeah. I, I get. It was hard. It was no. a tough choice there, but I, I did make that choice. And by the way, I don't know that I expect Octavia to be nominated. Right. I just. I think it's so much easier yeah. for a performance like this. I agree. A likable one. 
something like this, a, a performance yep. where despite the you know your objections, which are reasonable ones, no question about yeah. it, someone being that selfless in that moment, who knows what this real life person is? She's suing the production right now. She's basically very angry at the whole portrayal. The real life the version real- of Ramona, yeah. According to the filmmakers, but so, she did go on the record with Vanity Fair and say she appreciated Jennifer Lopez's uh, body. Because who? Oh, well, because who wouldn't? But I thought <laughs> you were going to say character. Well, she did. She said it was a great performance, and but she kept saying over and over in that interview, "Great body, Jennifer Lopez. Great body." I do want to say a couple things about the script in terms of major plot lines here. I love how the main character of Constance Wu has to catch up to the prosperity of her age in Act One. Right? I love how. All of the characters must deal with the nightmarish recession together in Act 2. Okay, so you have all this prosperity and you have these scenes where you know they're too good to be true because you got the interwoven narrative with the journalists. You know that everything is going to sink at the end of the, you know, the, this, this voyage. Why do I use metaphors in what I say? I don't know. I'm not good at it. But Dorothy needs Ramona in Act 2. And then in Act 2, Ramona needs Dorothy. And by the end of Act 2, they're dealing with this wrong that they have been perpetrating, this crime that they have been perpetrating continually. But what does the movie become about? It becomes about friendship. And this is a screenwriting magic trick that usually is so freaking transparent that I get just, I barf, like like uh, Lily <laughs> Reinhardt's character. I just barf, because like, oh my God, the Beatles have been forgotten by the whole world, but the movie's really about love, love, love. And Lily James, who wouldn't love her? Or, you know, this happens so many times, and yet this is so cleverly done. I think the more we talk, the more I'm impressed with Scafaria's directorial job because yeah. as much as the cinematography and the sound effects all help JLo's character, the writing really helps Constance Wu's character because Constance Wu is she's very well-rounded and part of that well-roundedness is that she's a hypocrite unto herself. Right. Like she says multiple times throughout this, I don't want to have to depend on anybody. I just want it to be me and my daughter and that's it. And yet, I mean, she knows she's basically helpless without Ramona's guidance until the end of this movie when she finally stands up for herself and making the stand and stabbing Ramona in the back, basically. Your main character's got to be wrong in Act 1. Yeah. they got to start the movie out wrong. they got to learn something. And that's every movie. Right. And this movie just does it really well. I think this story works. And I came into the movie like thinking the same thing as Constance Wu. I just want to be <laughs> independent and just do it my own way. And then, oh, shit, I have to really you know learn... And I have to really, you know, deal with right. this professionally. It's it's amazing. And it, the, the movie spoke to me. I have not been in a strip club for 10 years, in all honesty. Makes I you have, want to go back. <laughs> I, have not, <laughs> I have not been in this world at all. And yet, I'm relating to these characters so much. So I just thought, you know, like I said, magic trick by the screenwriting. And, and this is, yeah, this is movie magic in yeah. many ways. I loved it. A lot of things that I liked about this as well outside of just the character development I thought there was a bit of a purposeful misdirection mm-hmm. talking about the Shaq and Kobe and anal- the, the comparison <laughs> they were making I think that was speaking to guys like us too because yeah. I thought this was going to turn into a power play between the two of them when they're having you know I want to be Kobe no you're Kobe and well let's hug it out anyway because we're, we're in the middle of the movie where it's supposed to be fun times and we're at the Christmas party so I thought this was going to devolve into a power play between the two of them and no it's not that at all it's a, it is that wholly dependent relationship that Shaq and Kobe really 
didn't have. I mean, they kind of had to win the titles, but they it's wanting to be the top dog that drove them apart. That's right. what they're most known for. Right. Uh, and it wasn't a big part of the movie. I just thought that was a purposeful misdirection that well, I thought was very cutely done and inserted in if at the right time. If J-Lo listened to Constance Wu, they wouldn't have gotten caught. Right. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah it, that, that absolutely works as a theme. And it's amazing that Scafaria watched Lakers basketball back then. That's awesome. <laughs> Good for her. Uh, best scenes, right? Yeah, let's talk about some bests. I mentioned the Constance Wu at the club intro, but let's talk about introductions here. Perhaps the hottest scene of the year, the best introduction for a character in the last five years. J-Lo on the pole mic, that athleticism that I mean, that is the sexiest scene in forever. Yeah. I'm losing my goddamn mind in that it's scene. In so many levels, too. Just I mean, yes, she's a mature woman. She's still Jennifer Lopez, who we all grew up on. Colby she, Mack's going to be dancing for a month <laughs> off of that scene showing, alone. Oh, showing off her assets. <laughs> I mean, she's incredible. The athleticism, the knowledge to perform these moves. I was thinking about that, too, in the moment. Like, she's got to play this mentor character in so many different levels, but specifically at the beginning of the movie, teaching Constance Wu all these tricks on the pole, and the confidence she needs to display in performing these moves that she couldn't have learned more than, what, a week, two weeks earlier? Sure. And pulling these off uh, like any experienced stripper that I've seen ever, and I've seen my share oh in my God. day, at least in a former life. She's great. At, what a world-class athlete yeah, she is. Yeah, unbelievable. Bottom line. Unbelievable. She's been a world-class dancer for her whole career, singer and dancer, and she can handle that. My God, that's so hard. And she kept yeah. talking about all the bruises she got, you know, and, and all the hurts she had. Seriously, was, go look up her social media. She's practicing on there. It's it's phenomenal to some of the stuff she's pulling off my lord i couldn't do that if you had two of me I, I mentioned cardi b telling off her manager i thought that was hilarious sick crazy i said what the fuck in that scene that manager what do you do you do nothing you just sit here oh my god it was gross it was that one line was like a line from goodfellas when you're just just completely furious at what these mobsters are doing and then you're like but that's still pretty cool. The audacity of man to act that way. In this movie, people doing wrong, you need shocking moments like that to just totally disorient and knock your audience off their pegs. And it helps that every ensemble character, every ancillary character is somebody that has a wealth of experience doing something in the entertainment world. I mean, Lizzo is like, she has, what, three lines in this movie? And yet right. she's Lizzo, who's the biggest superstar singer in the world right now. Right. The manager's Dove Davidoff, who's a longtime stand-up comedian. He had a big arc on the last season of Crashing that just happened, sure. yeah. playing a range of emotions. Even the DJ's Big J Okerson, who's a longtime stand-up comedian, who I personally have been one of my favorites for forever. Good. He doesn't really do much except have an exchange of money with one of the dancers. And he's able to pull that up because he's used to being in front of a camera so much. I mean, I, I do think there is a lot to speak about that. Again... Why casting isn't a, a, a thing at the Oscars, it blows my mind. Again, we just had the BAFTAs that just started integrating it, so maybe we'll get there sooner rather than later. But casting should absolutely get noticed on this. I wouldn't be shocked to see this have some kind of best ensemble chance. Just I was that blown away by everybody else in this, along with Jennifer Lopez. It's just a shame that we're probably not going to get to the level of recognition outside of J-Lo come Oscars time. I wouldn't be so sure. I still think this is going to be in a, a lot of people's fringe nominations. I think it's going to be for, for which, though, as far as recognizing I, I the casting? Like, Constance Wu? For me, it's sitting in second and in third on my list right now, right? And we've seen so many movies 
you know, in terms of our TIFF roundup, right? So many of these upcoming films that we thought were all going to be great because that's what we're right. told for nine months out of the year. And then half of them fall, fall. by the wayside. Yeah. There you go. They fall yeah. off because, of course, they do. They do every year. And now we have this, all right, let's look back at the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. the Avengers Endgames, the Us, and all these, and the we Farewells. We didn't know how good we had it. Yeah. Right, the book right. smart right. shows up on Feinberg's forecast again. That, by the way. And, and, and we love that. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's going to happen next. So will Hustlers, because we know it's a darn good movie, have some legs here? I don't know. Uh, to Getting back to best scenes, though, Mike, you got some? The comedy in this. I mean, I, I laughed, and again, I probably yeah. should have expected to laugh because Cardi B makes me laugh every time she speaks anything, mm-hmm. and, and Jennifer Lopez has comedic timing. She's shown that. Constance Wu is so damn charming that playing against that type, which again, going back to what we said in Non-Spoilers, I we both agree she probably did purposefully mm-hmm. because it's so against type from what we're used to seeing from her. It's shocking. But, but even something as innocuous as buying the first bag at the first store where they're paying in ones, and the woman <laughs> behind the counter is staring at her, and Jennifer Lopez is like, you got a problem? Right. <laughs> <laughs> just challenging it to her face to face. There's so many little moments like that that I was laughing my ass off throughout this. Even during a heartfelt scene at the very beginning with J-Lo, which by the way, for Christmas this year, if I had money, I would absolutely get you one of her coats. <laughs> just to watch you wear it around with chinchilla. giant chinchilla fur coats. But even in that, like she's wearing this hilariously larger than life fur coat. Yeah. Big enough to have Constance Wu literally come in when they're having their rooftop conversation. And you, there's two women sitting there under the cover of one giant chinchilla It's adorable. Coat. Yeah. And it's funny. It's adorable. It hit it's all the It's a mom notes. with her daughter. Right. I was impressed by how much I smile throughout this whole thing. So the mid-movie, midpoint scene, Usher's here. That was so much fun, and yet it's so bittersweet because you know it's all going to turn because the voiceover narration is telling you. And I love when voiceover narration works this way. I'm not against voiceover narration, but it must promote a contrast in what you're seeing and what you're you're hearing. And this does exactly that because it's telling you, warning you, it's going to go bad. It's going to go south, and yet we get Usher in the club. We get all of the dancers running out. Yeah. Uh, that was the reaction. Yeah. And basically that was the reaction from when they were on set, according to J-Lo and everybody being interviewed. And that was re- the, the literal construction of the scene because Usher was the biggest star of 2007 and 2008 and 2003 when we were basically growing up and hitting dance floors and still able to dance, Mike. Is J-Lo not a bigger star than Usher in her own mind? Well, that's why I love... In her own mind, yes. But in that scene... She is the one, the only one who's not rushing to the floor, but to actually, you know, trade barbs, trade, you know, lines. And she, and she's like, "What's your name, baby?" And a very <laughs> ironic. I hold the power of this club scene, and she's like, and he's like, "I'm Usher, I'm Usher, baby." And she's like, and she laughs. I know you are, and it's so good. That was like the movie star tete a tete that I needed yeah. so so badly. Yeah, great I, scene. Uh, Cosine, I, and again, but again, calling Usher a member of this cast, may not have even known he was there. Uh, <laughs> there's so many little things. The music goes back to it for me when we're introduced to the Dawn character because we just had the whole exposition with Frankie Valley and the role yeah. he played with with Constance Wu's right. grandmother and the upbringing and how she may have had a fling humanizing Constance Wu. I love any time that our parents or grandparents on screen are humanized and telling stories that we didn't even know about, the characters didn't know about. Uh, and then you have the introduction of Dawn and Dawn from Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. I'm going 
around. <laughs> love that. It's a love lot the of fun. A lot of the music that was done, we hit on that already. There's a lot of highlights in this movie overall for me. And speaking of music, I feel like a music video cinematographer really gets this story and I feel like the director mm-hmm. of this film really gets this story Mike this movie reminds me of a horror movie trailer musical choice where it slowly but surely gets disoriented and gets that flavor of creep right in the it chapter 2 trailer it's the music's playing normally and then ugh. <laughs> you have more party scenes after the mid act 2 point but you also have all of these things that are just, quite frankly, fucked up. You got the guy being weakened at Bernie. Oh, you got the, the fishing sequences where they're conning all these guys, where you do feel empathy for these guys that are being drugged and robbed, where you're saying WTF over the fact that they are creating these drugs in their kitchen and passing out. And you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. Do you think that's going to hit with enough viewers, though? Like, do you think enough empathy was created? Because these are genuinely terrible men. I think, like, these are the guys that ruined the economy. But here's the thing. I think viewers are much more used to a drastic turn of the plot. They're u- And these movies are done much more heavy-handedly than this. This movie, it's just a gradual mm-hmm. process where we see more and more of the unsavory. And t- it culminates in one of my favorite scenes of the year when Constance Wu, pick- after the night out with that guy who jumped off the, the, the roof of the house onto the pool and he missed the pool right and he's severely injured yes and after the the drive to the hospital and that's scary and mm-hmm. you they're going by the cops and then it's scary and then it's undercut because kiki palmer re-knocks out the guy once he comes to it which is funny right. and then they're in the at the yard ER. again you get this balance you're not totally in right you know in the scene of american gangster where everybody's shooting up heroin and here's the part where you should feel ashamed right. of yourself for liking the rest of the movie and we always go through that guilt complex as viewers. No, you're right. I mean, it's not me. as heavy-handed, certainly. Because you get the, the I guess the biggest, the heaviest scene is when she goes and brings her daughter to school in the outfit covered she was in blood. covered in blood, but in that you know scantily clad outfit, which is really not that scantily clad compared to her other outfits. No. So she's thinking that this is the normal outfit to have, but you can tell with all the what do they what do girls call all the I don't know enough women. <laughs> Well enough. I'm single. What are they... The Like, your bag is a what? Accessory. Gosh well, darn it. I, I think the fact that she was also covered in a, somebody else's blood was... Yes, but you look at the, you look at the way she dresses at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And you look at people staring at her for the outfit she has on there. And the heels and the, the jewelry and the, the, the skin she's shown. And again, she's not even showing that much skin. And it is a literal walk of shame scene. That she's like, oh, shit. And, and the girl's like, mommy, why are we walking so fast? And mm. People are not cruel in that scene. They're, but they just look up and then they look away. They're, you know, they're no, giving normal reactions. I just think there's empathy given all those characters. And in this plot line, that works so freaking well because it shows all the stigmas that these characters have to go through based on their work. But she has even more guilt as a character in that scene because she what she just went through and being a criminal on that night and, and stealing from this man. My God, it was just extremely powerful. One of my favorites on the year. Uh, I feel the same about Julia Stiles, too. I thought she played her role beautifully, and I thought the whole... I mean, she might have had the biggest laugh of the movie for me. When Constance would have just gone mm-hmm. over the whole ketamine and MDMA would just have... Not only drug dealers 
not only drugging men, but we're right. coming up with our own concoction. We're drug makers now at this point. We're basically a pharmaceutical company. And then at the end of selling that story, she hands Julia Stiles a cup of tea. And Julia Stiles has to do like the double take of looking at Constance through, looking at the tea, wondering if she's about <laughs> to be drugged. I really appreciated that. But I thought Julia Stiles had a great comeback as well. We got one more scene that you think was the best of. The dream sequence. And I hated it. It's quick. Absolutely hated it. I, was, I thought it was terrifying. And for the first three seconds, I didn't realize what was happening. And I think I was taking notes before. And then you're wondering if it's real for a half a second there. Uh, and then I loved it because obviously she's, I mean, it's it's on the chin. I didn't need, yeah, exactly. I didn't, it's on I, the like, chin. I, she just described verbatim, word for word, they should dream. Two scenes we later, we don't need to see it exactly laid out as she just talked about. But it's so scary, no, Mike. Don't you have dreams it. like that? I hated it. Uh, but here's the thing. I have a recurring dream, and I'm going to go into it all now, where I am in a passenger seat. And my mom, from when I was a kid is driving because we're late to school and she's driving to school. <laughs> right, so you going... liked it because it was cathartic. It was cathartic for me. Mike, <laughs> right. this movie's speaking to me. There's nobody right. driving the car. Oh my God, I hate being a passenger well, in a car. Maybe you should be a stripper. Maybe this is where this is all leading. I, I, I apologize to all those hypothetical people. <laughs> Let's talk about some other words. I truly did not like that scene. I thought it was so gratuitous, so unnecessary. I, it worked on me on a primal level. And That's fine. I, I get move, it. When movies do that in the same way a fight scene works on you, that scene worked on me in a primal level. So it worked. What about some things you didn't like? I thought the Christmas scene was a bit too long. I know this is the high point in their excess in their lives, but we, we have to linger there with all the gift giving and the, the dance choreographed party. choreographed dance didn't do it for you during that moment. And then we end the movie with that choreographed dance. Yeah. Uh, it's just too long. Yeah, I mean, I they agree. do such a great job of having a high pace, and then we're lingering at the dinner table and lingering with the dance. Also hated the way they handled the crash of the economy. Like, we're jumping all over the timeline in this one. We're going from uh, the crash, then we're cut to 2011. We're shown a title card that says 2011, but then she's talking about what happened with the crash, and we're still not in 2011 because we're talking about her boyfriend leaving. Yeah. And then we get back to 2011. I just thought that was... It didn't really... Apropos of nothing, because it didn't really play any role into the, the sequence or following. I was able to follow the story just fine. Just didn't like it. I thought that was a clunky handle. A high degree of difficulty with montage filmmaking. Right. And you, I, you're probably right. It's a little abrupt there. But she did tell you in the previous scene that it was going to be abrupt because this was the last great night. Right. With That's Usher. True. And That's then true. the next but yeah, you're probably right. The whole country is a strip club theme <laughs> at the end of the movie, and I got one more. The grandmother's death impeccably timed at the rock bottom <laughs> moment of the movie. Like, did that really happen? I don't know. It's too convenient for you. It's way too convenient. Yeah. If that was artistic license, I get it, but the grandmother dying at her, after she comes home was this the point where she come came home from the walk of shame i was like are you effing kidding me i don't remember i don't remember either but it's definitely a low point moment the lowest point moment gets even lower of course it does (laughs) (laughs) uh i just wanted to make a final thought that this is why it doesn't pay to have confidence as a man because all these men were cocks of the walk and thinking they can handle four beautiful women and of course it's natural they would all come up and talk to me at a bar if i'm sitting there by myself that's what you get you deserve to be drugged. If any four <laughs> people, but you're right. Yeah. No, but if any four people come up and talk to me at a bar that I don't know, <laughs> right. Right. I'm immediately skeptical. <laughs> right. That's why immediately. You got, it's good to have a little self-doubt and self-deprecation. It keeps you balanced. It keeps you out of being drugged. I do agree. Keeps with your that. money on you. I agree. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about final thoughts. Let's talk about a grade here, Michael. I'm at a B plus 88, and I was torn between 89 and 88. Booksmart is like an 89, 90 for me. This is like an 88, 89 for me. I'm somewhere in there. I got to see it again. Maybe things that bothered you will bother me more. 
upon repeat viewings and vice versa, maybe things I liked. Because I've been mostly positive here. Well, your breakdown centered a lot on screenwriting and screenwriting yeah. technique and her pulling it off. And I agree, if you're, that's the focus of this, I would probably have a higher score as well. I, I mean, I... I created this just as an audience member. I think this is an ele- it overall. It's an elevated version of these quote-unquote genre films that right. we've been getting to just try and play for a popular taste, never mind the Academy Awards. They try to be hits, and this movie is a hit, and then I do think it also crosses over into awards territory because we haven't gotten enough this year. So we've been starved for a Best Supporting Actress buzzed about J-Lo. Yeah. We've been starved for her. And I'm thrilled at that narrative. And I'm also pleasantly surprised by the performance. Maybe the best use of popular music since Tarantino. I mean, the Lord Royals talking, and never mind about what that says about the plot yeah. overall, but we get the back shot of J-Lo walking to the ATM right. before she's caught, and then Royals is playing as all of them are getting rounded up. Uh, we also have, like I said, the Gimme More breakdown with Britney. There's so many different... Easter eggs with music that I love throughout this entire thing. Here's just immediately going to add points to your review Mm -hmm. because Lorene Scafaria is a complete Tarantino nut. She wanted to become a filmmaker because she saw Pulp Fiction six times in the theaters when she was a kid. That's awesome. She talks about what film stood out to her thus far on the year, her favorite film on the year, and she was just gushing and raving about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood like crazy. Ah, So she is... So this is an A+. After our own hearts. (laughs) So immediately, right? Isn't that enough to win you over right Uh, there? That and the fact that she put Cake by Rihanna in this and... I'm only human. I can't not get up and dance when I hear kick. I've never been able to when I went to the club. I've never been able to now when I even though I can't move anymore. But you move your elbows. I, yeah, I I love that the song. Old, so I, you I, overbite the white man's <laughs> overbite and you move the elbows. I'm face. like the guys at the car dealership when they see the two beautiful ladies dancing in the Cadillac. How they just start grooving a little bit because you can't help but move. Uh, yeah, that's me. Bob, the elbows come up and down, but the shoulders go with them. You're like a puppet on the string. I'm basically running in place at that I point. I love yeah. it. I'm an 85B, hard B all day. I think this is a very highly high production value, New, great made film. I would talk you into yeah. that three-point curve yeah, again. So. Yeah. I was an 84. I was I was on the verge. I, I bumped it up a point, yeah. Uh, maybe I'll bump it up another knowing that about Scafaria. Maybe I'll... I, uh, some of the on-the-nose stuff is tough to get by, and some yeah. of the forced morality and forced lessons I felt at the end I really had an issue with. Uh, and I, again, I think the rest of the, the downfall of the points, why this isn't an A for me, is just failure of expectations. That's my own fault going into it. I, was, I believe the hype. For me, I think, again, I'm, I've been saying this the whole episode, the magic of movie making and storytelling is you have to get your audience to suspend their disbelief, and you have to convince them to go along with the ride. If you convince them to go along with the ride, if you're in a stand-up comedian and you get them laughing early so that they'll be laughing so hard or later, if you get that momentum going in your audience, well, I'm going to ignore the faults of your movie and, and embrace the strengths more than I am going to nitpick at the end of the day because if I don't buy in I'm going to nitpick I'm going to be aggravated I'm not having fun I'm having fun in this movie debating whether or not I think I would advocate for this right now as an adapted screenplay nah because I really the more we talk the more impressed I am with Lorraine Scafaria overall Um, that's going to be interesting to to watch bottom line is we're rooting for her at the end of the day would we be happy for her for this you know directorial and screenwriting showcase damn right we will be absolutely 
Uh, well said, well put. Guys, want to know, obviously, your thoughts about Hustlers. Have you seen it yet? Uh, if so, what did you think? Do you agree with our analysis? Is there some other scenes that you take umbrage with or that you really, really liked? Let us know for certain. You can comment on that as well as anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. You can reach out to us, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts, and you guys have been doing a great job of leaving us those five-star reviews. If you keep doing that maybe tell one or two friends all you got to do on your iphone go to your podcast app type in mike mike and oscar in the search which you can find in the bottom right hand side once you type in mike mike and oscar and submit you'll be able to see our logo just tap on that scroll down once and you can leave us a five-star review even leave us a comment if you so desire uh, we may read it out live during an episode on air michael what is coming next from mmo and what are some words of wisdom to end this uh j-lo's butt <laughs> it's wise to just respect uh, J- Jennifer Lopez every and Brad Pitt. Of, every, every person in this movie was gorgeous. Here's the 50. Even Ken, you, Big yeah. J. Ogerson. I love you. 50 can be the new 30. There's hope for us. Because <laughs> we don't look 30 at 30. So maybe there's hope for us. We can get our shit together. Our, but all right. So that's the wisdom. Yeah. Uh, what's coming up next is we got more Oscar Sprint profiles. We did, we're doing two this week. Mm-hmm. And one last week that is, is actually of a movie that's coming out this week in Downton Abbey but we're doing Hustlers and at Astra this week next week we got maybe Judy maybe something else maybe maybe look we got so many Oscar buzzed about films coming out that we've yet to review it's going to be a fun next five months Mike we also got the Joker character study that we put up, you know, the push the pause button on this week that we're going to finish with a major episode yeah on Big next one. Wednesday with Heath Ledger's Joker, so stay tuned for that. And thank you so much for clicking on our two weekly news and variety shows as much as you have been. Those both shows have been hits, and we really appreciate that. MMO Weekly and Oscar Race Checkpoint, we're going to keep doing those. Absolutely, guys. Uh, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Somebody go check I'm Colby Mack, and we will see you soon. <laughs> see ya. Oh, baby, I like it. You're so excited. Don't try to hide it. I'm going to make you my theory. Cake, 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 cake.